As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, back to front Serie A with Giroud now keeping the ball out of the net and Lukaku now putting it into it. Elsewhere, clever goal. Why Stuttgart is now Grassy Park and Union City Blues. There's more from Madrid and Bellingham. Bilbao bagging three big points and Sevilla telling Mandelibar to hobbit. All that and much, much more in this Totally Football Show. Monday the 9th of October... How are you, listener? Lovely weather, eh? Let's get a quick roll call for today's Tony Football Show. Alvaro Romeo. Hola, James. Rafael Honigstein. Hello, James. James Horncastle. Hello, James. Wait, where are you, James? Huh, I'm in Torino. What the heck? No Jules today because he's over in at Clairefontaine with the French national team. And it's crazy there. We look forward to hearing from him soon. What are you doing in Turin, James? Sweating. Yeah, I've never known it to be hotter or sunnier than this, and I've been coming for years, mm. usually when Juventus used to get into Champions League semifinals and finals. Uh, but I'm here because it's the centenary of the Agnelli family owning Juventus, and so there are a couple of events going on in Città, as they say. That's so nice, isn't it? And they celebrated with a, a derby win at the weekend. I mean... It's the most one-sided derby as the poor Torino driving taxi taxista I had today uh, mm. was complaining about. Yeah, so they didn't even need Chiesa and Flyovic, James. Did they not? No. All right, then. We'll hear more, perhaps, about the Derby della Mole later on. We've got loads of other exciting things to speak about. But let's begin with my favourite bit, a round of everyone's moments of the weekend. Alvaro! Well, James, my moment of the weekend is a very special moment in La Liga. I ask everyone, what were you doing when you were 16 years old and 87 days? What kind of answer do you get to that, ah, I wonder? Maybe I don't want to get the answer uh, about what you were doing, but I can tell you what Lamin Yalmal was doing. He became mm. La Liga's youngest ever Scorer right. against Granada. Valde, Valde para Gabi. Gabi dentro del área busca Joao Félix. El control se le va. Ya va al remate. Saca el centro para Lamin que controla la portería. Gol de Lamin Yamal. It was um, four months since he started his first game in La Liga when right. he was 15 years old or five months already, and uh, he was capable of doing something like this. And this is a uh, a moment for La Liga history. Lamin Yamal is the youngest ever scorer in La Liga, surpassing a footballer that has disappeared from the radar completely, called Fabrice Olinga. Olinga. Cameroonian. Mm, he didn't, Olinga, you might say. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he didn't. As for Yamal, doing what most 16-year-olds are doing, spoiling clean sheets. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> All right. James Oldcastle, your moment of the weekend. I think this has already jumped the shark in that it's Olivier Giroud going in goal. So there you have it. I mean, against <laughs> Genoa, AC Milan, I mean, this is the thing in City at the moment. We are used to goalkeepers scoring goals and strikers making saves. 
and uh, Giroud had to go and go for what the final 10 minutes of stoppage time at Marassi because Mike Mannion had been sent off for a high knee and yeah Schumacher-esque or, or murderous Assassina was what uh, Genoa's president uh, Zangrillo calls it and Zangrillo is a doctor he said I can give a medical opinion um, he used to be the late Silvio Berlusconi's doctor and how'd that so... work out for him? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, he kept Silvio going on. That's <laughs> true. Going for a long time. Yeah. Anyway, what a moment. Anyway, and, and what a ha- moment. Have you got your Giroud goalkeeper's Milan jersey yet? Uh, I have not. Uh, but you can because he is now listed as a goalkeeper on their website and you can buy the Giroud number nine goalkeeper jersey. So Beautiful. will Mike Mignan be in goal um, when he returns from his suspension? Um Will they go with Giroud against Juventus uh, yeah. when the international break uh, concludes? Because that's Milan's next game. Zlatan, who's hovering around the club as a possible potential director, putting on its Instagram, it's never too late to discover your real position. <laughs> anyway, lovely stuff. Uh, Rafa, how about your moment of the weekend? Well, James, um, I think my moment of the week comes in two bits. <laughs> It always happens now. You always do this. Two bits. Yeah, but they they add up to be the moment. Okay. Because okay. just one Act by one. themselves mm. would not be enough. Right. It's Manuel Riemann mm. saving two penalties in the same Ooh. game for Fafel Bochum to get a nil nil draw at Leipzig. Nice. Which was a big surprise because the last away game from Bochum, do you remember what happened? They were beaten 7-0 by Bayern Munich. Correct. Mm. And the same Riemann, six months ago, was abused was getting regular abuse by his own fans. Right. And needed to be defended by by the club. Mm. And here he is defending his goal. They were saying very nasty things and singing unsavory songs. Mm. But here he is, penalty-saving hero. I'm delighted for him and for Christoph Biermann, who must be over the moon. (laughs) Yes, yes. He went there. He went to see the game. Mm. And he was very happy. Good. Excellent. All right. Well, those stories to be fleshed out and loads more uh, other exciting continental tales to be added as we begin our roundup with James. Since you're in Turin for this big centenary and probably have to go off and do things with your chums, the Anilis, Syria. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Grande giocata ancora una volta. In verticale, Nico intanto si è rialzato e partecipa all'azione. Palla dentro e va proprio lui! E va proprio lui a mettere il punto esclamativo sulla vittoria viola! Serie A this weekend, let's start, James, with a big game Sunday night. It was down in Naples where Fiorentina took on the Italian champions and did them 3-1. Gazzetta called it un capolavoro assoluto dei viola. What did you think? <laughs> Yeah, I would uh, agree because uh, Fiorentina took the lead early uh, and, you know, they'd they'd hit the post, I think, just moments before that with a a scissor kick from uh, their Argentine centre-back, Martinez Cuarta, who was uh, playing almost like a centre-forward, it felt often in this game, not just in in set pieces. And certainly his forays forward seemed to confuse poor Napoli. And again... You know, very well-deserved from Fiorentina, James. I mean, they're putting some big performances this season. Um, I'm thinking of the, the 3-2 win against Atalanta. They're obviously back in the, in the Conference League uh, because Juventus were, were, were banned from Europe. Uh, they reached the final of that competition last year and they seem to have really built on uh, the team that went to two finals uh, last year. And, you know, Vincenzo Italiano... Yeah, he's not Roberto Di Zerbi in that he has uh, quite a different philosophy, even though he plays with the highest line in the league. They press more intensely than any other team in the league. But he is he's someone that Napoli considered for the job <laughs> when they were replacing Luciano Spalletti last year. But uh, Fiorentina tied him down. And now you'd have to say, you know, what what's the limit for this Fiorentina side? You know, can they can they push into the top four? Can they actually turn one of those finals into a trophy this year? Um, because uh, certainly the signings that they made uh, in the summer have given them a depth that they didn't have in the past. And Nico Gonzalez, who 
uh, scored again what in stoppage time last night has been outstanding and, and the strange thing is is that one of the kind of old stages or old timers if you like of Italian football at the moment Giacomo Bonaventura Giacomo has been outstanding uh, all season I don't know if you like this performance James but the um, the kid at right back Michael Coyote um, he looks like he's got a big future Coyote was part of the I'm trying to think which Italy team it was that uh, that won something. Uh, I think it was the under-19s that won the uh, the Euros uh, against Portugal this summer. And he was a surprise starter uh, in their first game of the season. And he played again last night against uh, Cavaratskelia. And he was uh, he was outstanding. Um, and he's you know, he's playing right back for the first team. He's, he was playing as a winger when he scored the the winning goal in that Euros final in the summer, and looks like a a great a great find. The next thing, James, that I'm doing after this Agnelli centenary is going down to Florence to see Fiorentina's new training ground, which mm. they are opening. I mean, it's already open, but they are formally opening it uh, this Wednesday in Bagno Ripoli, which is just outside of Florence. Rocco Camiso, the owner, has decided to name it after himself, hmm. um, which is um, humble. Uh, but it does it, it does go to show the kind of, you know, what can be done in Italy with a bit of investment. You know, they would obviously like to build a new stadium uh, and they haven't been able to do that because the Artemio Franchi is a bit of a listed building these days. Uh, but they have built this fantastic new training ground, which I would say is, is, is the best in Italy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Excellent. Uh, we might be seeing Bonaventura against England, of course, because he's got a call-up after years and years out of the Italian national side. At the age yeah. of 35, he's, he's back in with the Azzurri, ahead of the games against Malta and then England next Tuesday. Deservedly so, James, as well. I mean, yeah, just in terms of, of one of those players who can, who's a bit of a tutto campista. He can play in almost every role in midfield. Mm. Um, but and Giacomo of all trades. <laughs> there you go, mm. and uh, and yeah, some of the, the the technique on his strikes. I mean, he's scored three goals now uh, this season uh, in the league, and yeah, I, I I love this about Italian football. Of course, you know this can happen in in other leagues all over the world. I'm not claiming it only happens in Italy, but um, there is something about a late blooming Italian um, or, or or someone just hitting that sweet spot in their thirties in mm. the way that uh, Bonaventura is doing doing now. And uh, he you know he looks like Max Allegri, doesn't he? Bonaventura. He looks like does, a young yeah. Allegri, but yeah, he just he plays more attractive football. There you go. All right, Fiorentina leapfrogging Napoli into fourth spot into the Champions League places, four points off the lead. Napoli, meanwhile, whistled by their own fans there at the Maradona. They've had back-to-back home defeats. Admittedly, the other one was against Real Madrid, so Chista. But they have now lost as many games at home this season as they did in the whole of last season. And for Rudy Garcia, against the man, as you say, who was perhaps the other leading candidate to replace Spalletti, just a, a, a disastrous evening. Yeah, and you mentioned that they lost to Real Madrid, uh, James, in, in midweek. I mean, they've lost every big game that they played um, so far this season. I mean, they lost to Lazio uh, at the Stadio Diego Amanda Maradona uh, at the beginning of September. And, uh, you know, one of the themes of this season, you know, we saw Cabaret Scalia reacting badly to being substituted in the 2-2 draw against Genoa. We obviously saw Ozymen react very angrily to being taken off against Bologna and Last night, we saw Politano also take issue with uh, with Garcia subbing him off. Um, so just when Napoli seemed out of their crisis because they'd won back-to-back games in the league, scoring four times against Udinese, four times against Lecce, uh, they seemed to be back back firmly in crisis, James. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not good for Rudy Garcia, who you know, kind of held his hands up, said he'd made some mistakes, um, you know, a lot of people criticised his substitution when Anguissa uh, went off injured uh, in the first half because all of a sudden he decided to match uh, Fiorentina playing four-two-three-one. It was quite bold, but it didn't didn't ultimately work. But then again, I mean, you do have to remember that at the moment, this Napoli team is playing with a com- it's not a complete new new back line, but the centre back partnership, which which was such a feature of them. Uh, last year, when they had the best defence in the league, is is completely different because Rachmani is out injured, so you've got Ostigard who's who's playing centre back, and then you've got Natan, the the guy who was brought in from Brazil 
to replace uh, to replace Kim. And you know, Natan took ages to be integrated into this side by Rudy Garcia, which is another thing he was criticised for. Um, and you know, he's a guy who's only ever played in Brazil, uh, not played in Europe yet. He's coming to the champions of uh, this, this team, which is the champions of Italy. Doesn't know the language. Um, so yeah, that's that's another complicating factor for uh, for Garcia, who yeah, is going to have a very long two weeks, James. Mm, uh, indeed, in this international break. Okay. Meanwhile, Saturday at Marassi, this. Yes, we can. Yes, we did. Yes, we all. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, come on, baby. Yes, that was Christian Pulisic scoring again. Uh, the only goal in Genoa's clash with Milan, putting Milan four, uh, sorry, two points clear at the top of the table. As you, as you mentioned, that wasn't the, the biggest story of the game. Olivier Giroud going in goal, pulling off a, a remarkable late, late save as well. Uh, was the thing that caught everyone's eye. But this is Milan top of the table. By the way, it would be great if commentators would, if Italian commentators would adopt that for every nationality that scores. So for French, it would be, <laughs> an, if Giroud scores, ooh la la, and all that. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so on and so forth. The more Olé. exotic, the better. Olé. Very, very nice. Anyway, so Milan... Now, for Germany? Well, yeah, Rafa. Lassa. Mm, 99 Luftballons. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Whatever that means. Very good. Milan, anyway. You remember after where they lost 5-1 and they were all washed up and Inter were going to race off to the title? Now? Now look at it. Yeah, I mean, there's that famous saying. I think we said it at the time, James, that uh, you'd rather lose one game 5-0 than mm. lose five games 1-0. Right. And Milan have won every other game in the league this year, uh, which is which is pretty impressive uh, considering the the overhaul that they had in the summer on the back of uh, selling Sandro Tonali. But as you mentioned, on, you know, as a way of picking themselves back up from that uh, that defeat to, to Inter, which was really important because you know Inter obviously beat them uh, in the Champions League semi-finals last year. They beat them in the Super Cup. And there was, a, there was a lot riding on this first derby of the season because people wanted to see if the signings that Milan had made had got them closer and more competitive with Inter. But it turns out that it doesn't matter. You can lose to Inter as long as you win all the other games. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this was a bit of a slog, this game, James. I, I, I'm not sure if you, if you watched it. I mean, the, the, I think Kanye, who was surprisingly in the stands, I would be very surprised if Kanye lasted uh, until the, the the 90th minute or whenever it was that uh, Mike Magnion got sent off, uh, and every everything started to really kind of kick off in in a in an ending that you know we we, we have seen outfield players going goal before. Uh, there was what Fadinos for Inter against Valencia. There was uh, uh, Fabio Bilica, uh, the Brazilian centre back who who went in goal for Venezia and saved Kyle a penalty Walker. from Shevchenko. <laughs> Kyle Walker, Walker, remember in the Champions League? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, has any goalkeeper? I mean, to be honest, the, this is a moot point because Giroud makes anything he he puts on. Uh, he he looks handsome in it, but he looked great as a goalkeeper. Mm. I, I, I thought, um, particularly when he was um, Adam Hurry from Football Clichés tweeted this, but particularly when he was at his post organizing a wall uh, to defend a free kick, he just looked like he'd been doing it. Doing a few years, um, so yeah, but great, great save to dive at the feet of uh, George Puskas. Mm. Uh, no relation to, mm. um, to, to 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 the big uh, Hungarian tractor engine, um, but still uh, the the way his the, his Milan teammates jumped on him after he he basically secured the ball was uh, was was very sweet. Yeah, heartening. It's going to be Milan Juventus when we come back after the international break. Juve, as you mentioned. Winning with ease the derby against Torino. Goals from Gatti at the right end this time. And Milik, Inter, meanwhile, throwing away a 2-0 lead against the remarkable Bologna at San Siro. They'd gone 2-0 up after a quarter of an hour or so than Erazuri, but uh, Thiago Motta's side don't know when they are be, do they? No. Uh, lovely goal from Lautaro, uh, we should mm. mention. He's, uh, he was already up in double figures in all competitions Probably could have scored a hat-trick against Benfica, but hit the post, hit the crossbar. And yeah, he scored a, a screamer from outside the box in this game. 
Uh, but Bologna, yeah, I mean, they lost to, to Milan on the opening day of the season. Um, but since then, they've they've drawn at Juventus. Uh, they've drawn against Napoli. Uh, and they've drawn against Inter. So uh, Tiago Motta certainly knows how to set his teams up uh, to stop uh, the best teams. I think one sort of criticism is they don't score enough goals, even though Zerkse, uh, their centre forward, has been one of the revelations uh, this season. But... Uh, the man of the match for Bologna was uh, Lewis Ferguson, the Scottish midfield player who Thiago Motta, not for the first time, was absolutely uh, raving about uh, in his post-match press conference saying, yeah, he is a raffle like this, a top, 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 top player. So um, so there you have it. But um, yeah, Inzaghi pretty angry uh, because, you know, in their... In their last couple of home games in the league, you know they've lost to. I mean, Sassuolo and Bologna are, are kind of their bogey bogey teams par excellence for Inter. So maybe we shouldn't be reading too much into this. But uh, uh, but yeah, disappointing really, considering how well Inter have started the season for them to throw away points hmm. in the way that they have done in these in these two games. Okay, they're two points off the lead. Early days, of course, in terms of the the title race. If uh, what was your favourite goal this weekend? Was it? Was it Lautaro Martinez? Was it Vecino's winner for Lazio against Atalanta and a big win for Maurizio Sarri? That was that was a lovely goal. Uh, the, that was a great game as well um, because uh, Lazio were 2 0 up and then Atalanta came back uh, to draw 2 2. And then, as you mentioned, Vecino, uh, who was very Vicino, uh, the, leaving, near leaving in the summer. Uh, I actually like the uh, the Castellanos goal, James. Uh, Tati Castellanos, who was playing as a striker again, he'd uh, started against Milan. I think he started it. No, he didn't start against Celtic, but he's their big new signing from the City Football Group. Um, and, you know, he's got big boots to fill because Immobile is, what, the four or five-time Capocaniniere. But Immobile is not fit all the time and has been left out of the Italy squad because of that. Uh, but uh, that goal like starts from the goalkeeper. It's like super direct in a way that people don't associate Sarismo or dare I say Sarri ball with. Um, and uh, yeah, gorgeous ball, I think, from Philippe Anderson as well. So uh, yeah, take your pick, James. If you oh. want to have the Vecino goal, I'll take the Castellanos goal. Super stuff. Down in the capital, it was a win for Lazio against Atalanta. Their neighbours, Roma, uh, notched up their second successive 4-1 victory. Admittedly, those wins have come against Servette and Cagliari, bottom of Serie A. But the bad news there, although Romelu Lukaku uh, got himself a brace, is that Paolo Dybala will probably also be needing one because he's done his knee and is going to be out for a month or so. Just when you think things are beginning to come together for Roma. Yeah, but not as bad as they feared. Okay. Um, because uh, it's not torn. And so, yeah, they, as much as Mourinho is not optimistic about uh, Dybala, today's scan uh, seems to have eased everyone's minds a little bit but as you mentioned he will be out for a little bit right the the surprising big the big story of the weekend james Ooh. was the front page of Corriere della sport yes which which said that the freakins who own roma were ready to sack jose Mourinho Ooh. in the event that they lost uh to Cagliari. and do you know who was lined up in this report to replace jose it was a certain hans dieter flick raf Wow. What can you uh, tell us, Raf? <laughs> well, Flick is definitely on the market. That's for sure. Um, he's came close to taking the Spurs job a um, couple of years ago. And we should say that Roma described this as fake. Ah. Um, but Zazeroni, the, uh, mm. <laughs> the uh, snowy-haired reporter who, who, who filed this, who also is the editor of Corredo de Sport, mm. stands by his story. Nice. Um, and yeah, he'd written a book about Jose. He did this massive interview with Jose mm. uh, only a few weeks ago. But yes, Jose uh, lives to fight another day as his team keeps scoring four goals thanks to Lukaku, who uh, has his best ever goal per game ratio mm. uh, in his four seasons in Italy. One every um, 87 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It can't stop, James. So, nice. There you go. Brilliant. We will stop you, though, there, James. Uh, magnificent stuff enjoy your centenary with the Agnellis and yeah. look forward to catching up with you on the other side of the international break and Italy England and all that kind of thing although we might get a quick preview with you in the course of our regular Tony football show before Tuesday's game of course nice of course. all right then saluti okay, <laughs>
Will it be a will it be a testosterone fueled party? I wonder. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I, I can't believe it, but I, I'd forgotten to mention. Yeah, that's the other big news. We'll just take a quick pause, and we'll be back with that. Football is bigger and more complicated than ever before. Just ask VAR. Check up, Blake. It's fine. Perfect. So the Daily Football Briefing is here to help, whether it's the World Cup. It's a kind of face-saving, everyone's happy, no one's a loser. Lionel Messi. As they say, he completed football. Or Manchester United. I mean, the performances all season have been questionable. That are making you quizzical. The Daily Football Briefing has all the answers you need for every football story that matters. And it does exactly what the name suggests. It's daily, it's brief, and it's all about football. The Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic, available wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. So, kind of major event happened at the end of last week when the second sample result came through for Paul Pogba's testosterone-positive doping thing, and that also came through positive. So, that looks like... When are we going to know how long the ban is? And Juve already taking steps to part company well Juventus um, are bystanders at the moment uh, they are uh, able within the parameters of the collective bargaining agreement that they've struck with the the league the Italian Football Federation the Players Association to basically put Paul Pogba on the minimum wage um, so uh, you've seen what, like the national minimum on, wage well it's the one agreed within the collective bargaining agreement which I, I think the salary I think is around 29 or 30 grand uh, so yeah, it's quite it's quite a big uh, difference um, for what he's been on a, a, a month, month, a, week, a year, a, week? A, a year, a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. two thousand a month, I read. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, so they are within their rights to to do that within the collective bargaining agreements. What we have now, after this B sample came back and turned a non-negative into a positive, is that the prosecutor, the uh, anti-doping tribunal here in Italy, um, he can now open an investigation. So that means that he can either bring Pogba in for questioning or Pogba's legal team can basically send statements uh, in his defence explaining his version of events. Um, And then once that investigation is completed, the the prosecutor can decide whether to uh, dismiss the case or he can uh, refer Pogba to to trial. Um, And uh, if that happens, then... I'd expect a trial um, before Christmas, and then there's, there's there's been some sort of conflicting reports as to as, as, as to, to to what might happen. Now, a lot of people have seen in Italy that you know the worst case scenario is that he he gets a four year ban, um, which for someone who is thirty would feel like a bit of a career ender, uh, effectively. That's if uh, they can prove that he intentionally uh, took a banned substance. But if it wasn't his intention, uh, then it's a, a two-year ban. And if if he then enters a plea bargain, <laughs> um, then then he can get fifty percent knocked off that sentence, and it would become a year. So these are all hypotheticals. But I mean, there has been suggestions that the banned substance that uh, was was found in his sample was 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 not testosterone. And uh, if that is the case, then he would only get six months. But in a statement that uh, the 
National Anti-Doping uh, Organization sent to us at The Athletic after his first sample, um, they did mention non-endogenous metabolites testosterone. So, so yeah, we will, we will await and see uh, the findings of the, this investigation and, and if it goes to trial, the outcome of that trial. Okay. Very sad news, though. Very sad news. Uh, James, enjoy yourself. We'll speak to you soon. Pleasure. Quick word on Ajax in the Eredivisie. They lost again. 2-1 at home to Alkmaar, who are up in second place. It's the first time that Ajax have lost three Eredivisie games in a row since 1999. It's their worst ever start now to a season. 18 teams in the Eredivisie. They are 16th in the relegation playoff spot. This weekend's defeat was witnessed by Louis van Gaal, who was watching from the stands, having just joined Ajax as an advisor. But I think the uh, suspicion is that he will soon be taking on uh, Maurice Stein's position, or someone will. Because, yeah, worst ever start to a season. 19 points off the top, 15 points off the European places. Crikey. And they haven't won in the Europa League yet. Mm. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, I think they drew good, with Ajax Athens the other yeah. day. And I think that's Brighton's next destination, isn't it? Ajax is travelling to Brighton, yeah. Yes. Ah, OK. There you go. Excellent. Rafa, the Bundesliga, all the top four won. So they're still separated by two points. Bayer in first place, then Stuttgart, and then Bayern and Dortmund. Stuttgart, Rafa. We kind of flew past them last week, but 3-1 against Wolfsburg. That's now five wins in a row. All of those wins by at least a two-goal margin. And they're powered by a striker the likes of which the Bundesliga has never seen before. Well, certainly in terms of uh, the goal tally from the first seven games, he scored another hat-trick uh, this week. This time a proper hat-trick. Mm. And it's 13-7, James. 13-7. No one's ever started this well in the history of the Bundesliga, which right. is just... What was the previous best? 10 or something? Well, it was Lewandowski, ah. and I don't know how many. Okay, but it's that fewer kind of, than thirteen. Yeah, yeah. Is it? It's that kind of magnitude of goal threat that we're talking about. I have a better magnitude okay. for you, or a better comparison. Last year's leading goal scorer, right, Niklas Füllkrug. You know how many goals he ended up with? No. Sixteen. That was the leading scorer yes. in the Bundesliga. Yes, it was very low scoring. So he's already got thirteen. After seven games. Yeah, incredible. Incredible. Is that sustainable? And what about Stuttgart's form? How, how long can they keep this going? How real a threat are they to those top four or even top one positions? Uh, top one, I'm not so sure. But they played a really good team in Wolfsburg, a side that's tough to break down. But it's not just that they're winning. They're playing some really good football. You know, Bundesliga sometimes has a bit of a tendency to be fixated on the transition, on the pressing, on the gig pressing. And once teams of lesser quality out of the ball, then they don't really have much of a plan beyond going vertical and as quickly as possible towards the opposition goal. This Stuttgart team play really nicely. They move really nicely. There's nice little patterns. There's nice little build-up play. And they're just a delight to watch. And, of course, Girassi up front is just incredible. It's just wow, 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 wow. Wonderful. A little story because they are proper blue-chip side. Stuttgart and Sebastian Hoeneß have got a very interesting young manager who, of course, is the nephew of Uli Hoeneß, a Bayern Munich strongman and warlord. Um, and, yeah, already people in Bayern, uh, the CEO Dresen, saying, oh, maybe one day we can see him back at our place. Right. Good old Sebastian. So, yeah, Stuttgart, the surprise package of the season and they're going very strong. And I think top seven, European places should definitely be a target now. Okay. They're in second at the moment. Sehu, is it Sehu Grassi? Uh, well clear in the goal-scoring charts. And after the international break, they're going to be facing a slightly less successful opponent in the form of Union Berlin. Union, who this weekend lost their seventh straight game. Rafa, 4-2 away at uh, Borussia Dortmund. They are now two points off the drop. Yeah, it's not going for them at the moment. Um, they played they were 2 1 up at half time in this game. They played really well, I was going to say, in the first mm. half. But Dortmund made some changes in the second half and Union just couldn't cope with it. Um, 
it looks as if they are just a little bit off. I don't think there's anything really wrong with their game, but their game is based on being 100% on. And when maybe there's like a slight lack of energy or slight lack of concentration, you remember last year and even the year before, they had the odd real whopping defeat. Mm. And things are just not happening for the moment because I think there's that lack of energy and slight tiredness creeping into the game with the exploits in midweek uh, taking their toll. But they weren't bad. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure they give Stuttgart a good game. But yeah, seven defeats in a row in all competitions. It's, it's not a great start to the season. Unlucky in the Champions League. We can say that because they have scored the goals uh, at the very end of the games against Real Madrid. I think they defended well. They had a player, Kral, who he's, you pronounce his name, Kral. Kral, his surname, yeah. Kral yeah. I think that he was half injured the whole game against Real Madrid. They defended really commendably. And then in the second game, same thing happened to them. I mean, they just lost uh, the draw in the last second of the game. Uh, against Real Madrid, they were even unlucky because that mm. was a ball that came deflected and Jude Bellingham just found a very easy goal to score right. in the small box. Yeah, this last weekend, they were 2-0 up again in the Champions League yes. and ended up ended up losing. Uh, the equaliser from Dortmund was a bit special from Nico Schlotterbeck, no? Mercha with vielen Ballkontakten. Yeah, Nico Schlotterbeck um, schlotted one, schlot one in um, from, from distance uh, with his uh, trusted left foot and it just flew into the uh, top of the net. Very, very nice goal. Perhaps not unsavable, but yeah, it was, it was a good goal. And uh, Brandt, who came in the second half, had a real massive impact. He's been very, very special this year, very solid, consistent and... All of a sudden, a team that was heading for crisis at the last international break, and there was serious talk about it in Terzic not lasting for much longer. Mm. They're still not playing amazing football, but the results have been good, and the whole dynamic and, and mood has changed around this team. Four straight wins now in the Bundesliga. Is it 15 games unbeaten in the league? Yes, because Edin Terzic has only lost one game in 2023 and that was mm. a way to buy and albeit a, be it a <laughs> yeah. fairly important one yeah um too many draws mm. but that statistic was also mentioned by Hans-Joachim Watzke as a reason why Edin Terzic still enjoys the full trust of the board etc etc okay there are only two points off the top now it is so tight Leverkusen still lead unbeaten they beat Kuhn 3-0 <laughs> Victor Boniface Seven goals in seven now, which would be, you know, in an ordinary season, that'd be quite impressive. But uh, Bayern, meanwhile, got a 3-0 win over Freiburg. Uh, Harry Kane didn't score, but he did assist uh, one of Leroy Sané's. Yeah, and Leroy Sané should have two, but uh, he was just off and VR took it away. It was a wonderful finish. Leroy Sané's be sort of becoming the story of the season for Bayern. Uh, again, really consistent, scoring goals, linking up really well with Harry Kane. Harry Kane also, I think, helping his game a lot by um, being that wall that you can bounce off, um, doesn't lose the ball, puts in the wide players, especially him, really effectively. And the game was very one-sided. A game against a team that has made it really difficult for Bayern in the past, both home and away, Freiburg, very awkward to play. I think Freiburg, having played West Ham on Thursday, also looked a little bit off their game. And Bayern were very much on it. Okay. And Kingsley Coman was on it. Kingsley Coman was on it. Did he mean that first goal, do you he think? He did not mean the first goal. Okay. It was a cross that ended up um, a, a nice goal. He meant the second one, which got big deflection, but by then Bayern had been so dominant mm. that the second half was kind of a non-event. They were con in complete control. I don't think Fabric had any kind of meaningful chance uh, throughout the game. And Tuchel's pragmatic... Not terribly exciting, but sort of formulaic almost football is at least right now bringing dividends. And every one of those results and half decent performances or three quarter decent performances helps him to have a bit more time to work more with the team. And certainly up front, things look pretty good. Excellent. And not too bad at the back as well. With Kim, who James was talking about Napoli having to rebuild the. Uh, backline after his departure for, for Munich I read that he 
made the most passes by any player in a Bundesliga match for over three and a half years in this game. 171 for a centre-half. Pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, a lot of the pass is very short mm. to the players around him. But yeah, it, it shows you how much of the build-up goes through through the centre-backs and through him, especially in this in the Stuchel system. Um, and also his his decent form, not not amazing, but decent form, has lessened the need to bring in an emergency fourth centre back. We talked about the fact, I think, last week that uh, Jerome Boateng was training with the team. Ah, yes. And Bayern have decided not to sign him. Oh, interesting. Is this in any way connected with the fans' reaction? The decision was made on Friday before the fan protest. Okay. They held up some banners. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was. But German, it was already right. there was already a backlash. And German fans have this kind of record of, of being incredibly activist. Yeah, and, and, but on the right side of history, if you will, on so many key issues, and and on this, uh, when I think Bayern themselves are described as, as purely a footballing question, they responded with banners saying misogyny and domestic abuse Violence, is never, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, is never to be. Ignored. Yeah, there was also a, rec- a reference to people of sort of bad character. Huh. Which was not confined to the players, and it was meant as it was interpreted as a dig towards Max Eber, who might come in as a new sporting director who's just been fired from mm, RB Leipzig. And uh, yeah, the fans, or at least some fans from the organized fans, don't seem to be too excited. Thomas Tuchel made clear that he liked the idea of signing Jerome Boateng, that he trained pretty well but suggested that the combination of perhaps one or two doubts about his suitability as a 35-year-old um, to really help Bayern with the public backlash, um, because this is a player who was twice convicted of abusing his, his then-girlfriend and insulting her, a conviction that was set aside by the third court, and there will be a retrial, but because of that history and because he is not uh, yet free of those charges, I think Bayern felt it was too, too complicated, shall we say, a move to pull off and uh, decided against it. Okay. Rafa, who have Germany got over the international break? They're playing the US and Mexico in the US, Ooh. which is very controversial, not because of the opposition but because of the fact that they have to go to America right. uh, in the October um, international break and there's a lot of traveling and they come back really late and then there's a big game on Friday night with Dortmund and Bremen and Dortmund don't have time to really prepare properly and Mats Hummels we should say has also been called up who's mm. been very very good recently for Dortmund but yeah it's, it's Julian Nagelsmann's first game of course. As, uh, as Germany manager and he's called up some interesting players and yeah should be should be an interesting one. Saturday night, that game is the first really? one against the US, yes. Okay. Very, very nice. Thank you, Rafa. Next up, Alvaro. Let's hear about La Liga. Hello there, Ayo here. Listen to me on the Athletic Football Podcast, where we go deep on the biggest stories in the game, providing insights and analysis from the very best journalists in the business. You won't get this anywhere else. Available now on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. Just search the Athletic Football Podcast now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. 
You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Alvaro, Sunday night, bit of a shock there in Spain as Sevilla, the Europa League champions, sacked the man who delivered their latest trophy, Jose Luis Mendelibar. Mendelibar, yeah. He was sacked and, uh, you know, it didn't come as a big surprise because I believe that Sevilla was never too sure about extending the contract of Mendilibar. He came last year back in February, not last year, sorry, last season back in February as an emergency option. But then he excelled the expectations and he ended up uh, almost qualifying Sevilla for Europe via the league and also winning the Europa League. And that came as a big surprise. And uh, right after that game against Roma, Monchi and uh, Sevilla president, Monchi is no longer there, and Sevilla president too were asked whether they were going to extend the contract of Mendilibar and they didn't have an answer yet. That tells you that even in a moment of euphoria, mm. they weren't still too sure about Mendilibar's future. But at the end, they offered him a, a new contract for a year, just three days after he won the Europa League, but Sevilla started the season poorly. It's not that they are losing many games, but they just cannot win. And mm. for example, they have done good games. In the Champions League, they have been competitive. I'm going to say that that is the best compliment I can, I can give to Sevilla. Uh, the other day they were about to, to win in, in the Netherlands and in the European Super Cup they lost to Manchester City on penalties as far mm. as I remember. So they haven't been that bad. But you know, the results are not there and uh, Sevilla has sacked his manager but it's no co- it's not surprise because Sevilla historically uh, doesn't, doesn't dwell on the past. I mean in the last, three, in the last year they have had three managers. Mm. In the last 10 years, decade they have had 10 managers and in the last 19 years they have had 17 managers so there is a pattern right yeah Um, so yeah who's going to be the 20th good question some names already Marcelino uh, the former Olympic Marseille has been contacted okay contacted Mm. that's uh, the only thing I know I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Okay. Uh, then there is a little bit of a dream there, which is Marcelo Gallardo oh. for Sevilla, the former mm. River Plate manager. Yeah. Uh, Sevilla is looking for a manager who knows La Liga, number one. This is one of the requirements. And number two, a manager that speaks Spanish, if possible. And, uh, you know, there is one uh, that they did like back in June, Andoni Iraola, but Andoni Iraola still has a job. And, um, you know, let's see what happens over there. But the truth is that Sevilla... You know, I was thinking about it, and uh, it's a very demanding club. They don't have such a good squad. I think that they have punched over their, their, their weight for a, for a while, and uh, the games they did in the Europa League last spring against Manchester United and Juventus at home were fantastic, and maybe Sevilla was a little bit overachieving, but the same unfulfilled high demands that Sevilla has right now, those uh, high demands are the same demands that push Sevilla so high, because if a manager doesn't work, they don't they don't wait. They just sack the manager. If something doesn't work, they make changes. So I think that the demands of Sevilla are a, a double-sided thing. It, it works sometimes, but for a manager, uh, it's uh, something that stresses them a lot because they don't have time to work unless they do a very good job every every month. And Unai Emery managed to do it, he stayed three years. Uh, Lopetegui did a very good job for a sustained period of time, he stayed there for uh, two and a half years. But Mendilibar, the team didn't work for a month or two, and he sacked. You know, this is proper Sevilla. Okay, whoever comes in will have as their first game. Ooh, league-leading Real Madrid Yeah. after the international break. Madrid, who notched up another big win this weekend, 4-0 against Osasuna, with yet more goals for Jude Bellingham. He got a brace here. That's 10 in the first 10 for him. Matching Cristiano Ronaldo's scoring yeah. rate for Real Madrid, but actually bettering it when you throw in the assist that he gets as well. It's better. It's better. And in the Champions League, he's scoring goals. And uh, in every important game that Real Madrid has had, bar Atletico de Madrid, he has delivered. And the truth is that we are rating this uh, young footballer for something that he is not perhaps the best thing he does. And uh, there is one thing that I do like about uh, Jude Bellingham that I didn't know that he had. Normally, how to put it? I mean, normally in the box, you don't have a second to waste. Mm. But at, at the same time, you have a tenth of second more than you think. Mm. Uh, and Jude Bellingham has that patience. We were talking about a Groundhog Day uh, last yeah. last week. So he has such kind of preternatural calm 
Yes. When he has these big chances, it's almost like, you know, once Bill Murray's had the day for about 100 times and he's learned to play piano and he's just doing everything, he knows what's happening. It's like everything, he knows everything's going to be fine. And that, this is the bit where I slot the ball in. He's amazing. 100%. And this is, this is exactly what I mean. Like, professional football is really fast and really intense and all that. And uh, normally you have to do things very fast. But yeah. at the same time, you cannot be reckless or uh, do things too quickly because on the, otherwise it's not going to work. You have to calibrate very well uh, the balance between uh, finesse and speed. And I think that Jude Bellingham is doing that very well. And the first goal he scores against uh, in the weekend against uh, Osasuna. Osasuna, yes, he gets the ball in the box. And I think the tendency for most midfielders would be just to smash it at, as the ball comes to his foot. And he gets the ball, he touches it a little bit, and he makes himself a better angle to score. And against Napoli, he did the same thing. Instead of shooting as soon as he got the opportunity, he just dribbled past Lobotka with a very, very subtle feint as well and a subtle move. So I think that he's got this in the box. And this is something that I didn't know about him. It's incredible. Really, really good start for him. And Vinicius, by the way, is back too. And he scored the, one of the classic goals of Vinicius. Uh, he reminded me of Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo here, because the way he dribbled past the goalkeeper was sensational too. The goalkeeper had no chance whatsoever. Magnificent. There you go. Top of the table, Real Madrid. Girona have moved into second place after their 1-0 win over Cadiz because Barcelona only, only drew at Granada. Uh, Lewandowski not available for that game after he picked up that injury in the Champions League. Ma, Gr- ma, 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 ma. Girona. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> Rafa. Yeah. Uh, Granada, uh, in the bottom three, took the lead against Barcelona after 17 seconds. Brian Zaragoza. Yeah, and he got another, and he should have had a third as well. Yeah, because he hit the post in the second half, but uh, his second goal was fantastic. Mm. For me, the goal of the weekend. I mean, oh. it hasn't been the moment of the weekend because uh, Lamin Yamal just did that at the age of 16. But um, Brian Zaragoza destroyed Jules Kunde. Basically, he, he just dribbled past him twice and he scored a beautiful goal. After that, Jules Kunde picked an injury not related to that. And uh, Jules Kunde, by the way, is missing El Clásico. We don't know if Robert Lewandowski will. Okay. But I tell you, Jules Kunde needs some time of reflection as well because he's not playing well at the minute. Okay, 28th of October, the Clásico. Yes. So the, the doubt is about whether Lewandowski will be back for that. Yeah, uh, Lewandowski hasn't been um, included in the Polish squad. Uh, which I think that uh, Xavi is very happy about because, mm. uh, you know, the Barcelona medical team will be able to work with Robert Lewandowski. So I think that Lewandowski still has a chance to get to El Clásico. Okay. But uh, Jules Kunde on paper, he's going to miss that game. Okay. Huge match as ever. Barcelona should have had all three points here. They had a, a, a brilliant goal, no? That was disallowed for... I think that it was disallowed correctly, but this has been the controversy of the day. Because uh, we have one like this in the Champions League involving Atletico Madrid, yeah. where they ruled that the other player, the player who was offside, wasn't in any way interfering with play. It was uh, Ferran Torres who who was flagged offside, who didn't uh, certainly didn't touch the ball. No, but I think that Ferran made an attempt to go for the ball. Oh, really? And I think that he, he did. In fact, he, he goes for it. Mm. And the defenders that are next to him also change the, the way they defend because right. they think that Ferran is going to reach that ball. Then Joao Felix scores and it looked like Barcelona was going to get the three points and it didn't happen. Okay, Barcelona should wonder why they started the game like this against Granada. Brian Zaragoza, who is really good, by the way, and he has been included on Sunday evening uh, for Spain's squad because, okay. because Jeremy Pino picked an injury and Luis de la Fuente uh, decided to bring in two players just to replace Jeremy Pino, one of them, Nansu Fati, and the other one, Brian Zaragoza. And Brian Zaragoza is a very funny, a very nice case because... Uh, five months ago, he was scoring goals for Granada for them to get promoted. And he scored uh, three goals in the last three games of the Segunda División season. And he's got this style that makes him very special. He's the leader of La Liga in dribbles. He's very short, very short. I'm talking about 165, 166 maximum. Very fast as well, skillful. And um, he's got uh, many skills that make him an entertainer. And it's worth watching the games of Granada just to see him play. So it's phenomenal to to have a player like this coming from the second division. And, you know, I, in my opinion, he's the hero of the of the week because he scored a, a brace against Barcelona. And he's a player that wasn't wanted by Valladolid, Sevilla, Málaga. He ended up going to Granada's academy. And over there, he got just the opportunity to play for the first team. And now he's scoring goals in La Liga. Excellent. How old is he? Brian Zaragoza... It's 22. Okay, 22. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. 
Plenty of time. Magnificent. All right. Anything else from La Liga? Uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, number one, that um, Mason Greenwood scored mm. for Getafe. Mm. Uh, Getafe drew at Celta. And um, Atletico de Madrid beat Real Sociedad. This was one of the big games of the weekend, of course, with uh, both sides being very competitive after a good weekend in the Champions League. Real Sociedad um, scored uh, via Mikel Oyarzabal. That is for me one of the nice news of uh, the beginning of the month because Mikel Oyarzabal is not only scoring penalties but also scoring in open play. He did it at Salzburg mm. five days ago. Uh, he did it at Atletico de Madrid with a very nice goal. The ball control is excellent. But then Atletico won because the referee just called the penalty and Antoine Griezmann just... Uh, Scored it and uh, three points, three very important points for Atletico de Madrid. Three pretty important points for Athletic Club de Bilbao as well, because Massive. with that victory over Real Sociedad uh, from Atletico, Athletic moved past Real Sociedad into fifth place. You're only two points of the Champions League places. Oh, and we were talking about nice goals. Danny Garcia's in the uh, 3 0 <laughs> win of Almeria. I never thought I was going to hear Danny Garcia and Nice in the same sentence. Right. But yes, because he's one... talking about the chef. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but that, Danny Garcia managed to cook a very nice goal. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, Jimbo, uh, I like Danny Garcia, but uh, he's very industrious. Okay. And he's been always like this. He scores very few goals, but it was a good goal, the one mm. he scored. And the third goal, of a, or the second goal of Athletic Club Bilbao, I don't remember now, I think the third one, uh, was manufactured by Nico Williams and Ojan Sanzet. And these two players, if they stay at the club, and I don't have any reason to believe that they won't because Ojan Sanzet signed not long ago a long contract and Nico Williams is... Uh, I think the club is preparing the money to offer Nico Williams a contract extension. These two players are going to be the leaders of Athletic de Bilbao in the future. They have been capped already with Spain for these uh, upcoming games. Uh, Nico Williams fabricated the whole thing just doing a a step over in the box, shooting. The goalkeeper couldn't catch the ball. And Ojan Sanzet, who is one of the midfielders in La Liga with more goal-scoring ability, just uh, put it in the net. So, you know, the team is looking good. They started badly, uh, losing against Real Madrid. Then the loss against Real Sociedad were difficult to handle as well. But um, the winnable games have been won. And this is the biggest strength of Athletic Club Bilbao, that whenever they were favorite in a game, they did it. And they did it on Friday because Almeria, honestly, they have been awful. Good stuff, Avro. And that's how it sounds going into the international break. What about Ligue 1, listener? I'm glad you asked. In the absence of Julien, let me tell you that Monaco's still top after their 3-1 win at Will Stills Reims. Nice are in second place. They beat Metz 1-0. And PSG got an away win as well. They went to Rennes and won 3-1. It's Rennes' first loss of the season, that. Uh, Mbappé wasn't on the score sheet. He had a huge miss. I don't know if you saw this. He, re- he picked up the ball just inside the Ren half, shimmied his way past one defender, put it past the keeper, and then with the goal yawning in front of him, put it over the bar. That's now four games without a goal for Kylian Mbappé. And, but, Luis, en- hmm. and Luis Enrique is... Um Getting a little bit nervous in front of the press. I don't know if you saw the press conference. I didn't. Was this after Newcastle? Uh, no, not after Newcastle. Oh. Uh, in fact, uh, after uh, playing against Rennes um, oh. the, in the weekend, I think that he, well, he got interviewed by three journalists, two of them uh, football personalities. At least one of them was Ludovic Julie. The other ones I didn't recognize. Right. And, uh, it was probably Julian because they can't have had a program without him involved. Maybe. Maybe he was right. there in disguise. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he was... Uh, Luis Enrique was remarking to the trio of journalists that they had been very negative with their assessment of PSG. Le pareció un poquito menos bueno para trabajar. Tú solo vas a lo negativo, eh. Es acojonante. No, no me digas que esto es negativo, Luis. Vamos, todas las entrevistas. Es el tío más negativo de la historia del fútbol mundial. No, no. Okay, I can't think why. Anyway, PSG there are third in the table now, and two points off the top in Ligue 1. One other thing to mention from Ligue 1, the match between Montpellier and Clermont on Sunday was abandoned. The home side, Montpellier, were 2-0 up when a firecracker was thrown from the stands and landed and exploded near the Clermont keeper, Maurice Diaw. He was carried off the field on a stretcher and the game was abandoned. Crikey. Mm. Oh, Marseille won. Uh, Gennaro Gattuso. Don't know why they came to mind after hearing about people throwing firecrackers and that, but uh, Marseille got their first win under their new manager. They beat Le Havre. 3-0 after that 2-2 that they had on Thursday with Brighton. It's the first win that the Marseillais have had in a month. Aubameyang got his first goal for the club and assist as well. And they face Nice after the international break. That'll be a big one. Nice up in second place. 
Marseille making their way back up in that direction. All right, then. Many, many thanks, listener, for your company today and to Alvaro and Rafa and James and Chirin and producer Charlie and Rachel. We'll be back on Thursday. Yes, that's it, Thursday, to preview all the international fixtures. So loads to look forward to there. And there'll be some other stuff non-international football related too, I shouldn't wonder. For now, though, uh, that's it from all of us here. Goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.